1: host of yesterday's concert. Before we get this episode started, I want to take 25 seconds to tell you about my other show, Jam Journals. Jam Journals is a podcast that takes you on a journey through music history, featuring live performances from some of the most iconic concerts of all time. Each episode recounts a different concert experience through a dramatic narrative that brings the memories to life with vivid detail and emotion. Join us as we take a trip down memory lane of some of the most unforgettable concerts in recent history. Jam Journals is available everywhere you get podcast. Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.
0: My goal has never been to like be mysterious. You know, uh-huh. I don't really have a lot of mystery around me. I'm very open with my audience about a lot, so there's not really much mystery to raise for ghost. <laughs> and I, I, I lean into that and I love that. And I think I'm everyone, all my audience knows that like I'm always a work in progress. And like, you know, I look back at everything I was saying and releasing five years ago, and I'm like, wow, I'm a different person than that now. But that's what an album is it's like a snapshot of some of who someone is at a certain time, and we can all learn from that. And I, I, I learned from my own my own mistakes and my own things and I learned from other people's as well when they're willing to share.
1: Grab your earplugs for another episode of Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram and in this episode we talk to folk singer-songwriter Ray Zaragoza We chat about her new album, Hold That Spirit, and about reclaiming her story and her comfortability as an artist versus a human. Plus, we discuss why songs are the perfect four-minute time capsule. So today we're here with Ray Zaragoza. She has a fantastic new album called Hold That Spirit coming out. Ray, how are you doing today?
0: I'm great, Lance. How are you?
1: I am doing wonderful. It's like I was telling you before. I was reading a passage in a book last night, and it stuck out to me about your album, and I cannot wait to talk about the two of them together. But first, as is tradition with the show, we like to start with some icebreakers. So my first question for you is, I know you have a little bit of a fandom with Avril Lavigne, probably from your teenage years. (laughs) So if you could pick one song to duet with her, what would you pick?
0: Uh, Anything but Ordinary.
1: (laughs) Okay, there we go. What about that song do you love so much?
0: It was like my anthem when I was a little kid and like inspired me to want to be an artist and to want to be a singer songwriter. And it's just like such a classic song about wanting to be anything but ordinary. And I think this hold that spirit is definitely like embodying anything but ordinary.
1: <laughs> I feel like this is like the fulfillment of your youth right now. Like this it is, is. Like, everything you're aiming for.
0: <laughs> so it's all come per- true. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> it's perfect. Awesome. Wow. OK, so second question. Newport Folk, fe- blah, blah, blah. Newport Folk Festival, you're mm-hmm. playing it in like less than like two weeks. Yeah. On a scale weekend. of one to 10. How excited are you? Like that's like amazing. 12.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like my dream to play at Newport Folk Festival. So this is like a 12.
1: Yes. So are you going to yeah. like hang out and watch performances and everything too? Oh yeah.
0: I'll be there all weekend. Nice. All weekend. I'm going to see everything.
1: That's amazing. So like when you found I'm out excited. you were playing that, like what was the reaction?
0: I was like literally in a deli in Brooklyn when my agent called me and said that it was like official and I had to like leave the deli and scream. I, I, I didn't want to like I, scream inside the deli. So I had to like leave the deli.
1: That's amazing. So
0: yeah, it was, it was very exciting.
1: <laughs> that's incredible. I love it. Okay. So next one, you're an ambassador for Taylor guitars. Is that? Yeah, to... Okay. Yeah. So if you were one day given the opportunity to create your own signature guitar with Taylor, What would it look like? What would it be? Like, how would you design this?
0: I think I would want to design, like, a bright pink or yellow guitar. And I would want there to be, like, a roller skate on it. Like, I want to, like, really just, like, I want, like, a beachy roller skate vibe long beach guitar. That's what I would do. I'd make it, like, just, like, really colorful and crazy. So would it be, like,
1: in the inlay? (laughs) Or, like, where would the roller skate be?
0: The roller skate would be, like, on like the front like right near like like you know like right on the face of the guitar like right in yeah. front like boom like a big okay. sticker. like it would just be kind of like not like ugly but like yeah. it would just be really kind of like tacky and fun That that's, like, that's what fantastic
1: I would. one of the like <laughs> roller blades or like one of the old school roller or skates? skate i roller okay. skate so roller skate, okay skate. there we go i play
0: a little bit too but roller skating is where passion is at
1: have you always roller skated? Like is this like
0: I started in 2020. It was like my pandemic hobby and now I like make music videos with roller skates all the time and like I love skating. It's so fun. I've been kind of scaling back on my skating a little bit cuz I don't want to get hurt before my tour and I always get hurt but yeah. It's so fun.
1: Do you wear like the wrist guards and everything too? Like, do you go full? I do, I
0: do, I do. I, I, I like. I've in the past not because I was like, oh, I want to look look good for the the video, so I'll like leave out my wrist guards, and then I always end up twisting my wrist or something, and then it's never worth it. As a guitar player, (laughs) that's.
1: I was I when I started biking, I was like, I don't want to wear a helmet because helmets aren't cool, and then I was like the very next day I was changing the song on my phone and I look up and there's a car like three feet away from me and I had to like swerve and miss it and I fell off and I was like, and that's where we why wa- That's why we wear a helmet. Yeah.
0: So always. Just, everyone out there, wear a helmet, wear your wrist guards, wear your knee pads. Don't try to be Ray. cool. Okay. There's not,
1: nobody's cool. Nobody's cool. Nobody's cool. Real. You're just, cool. Just you're safe. not,
0: you're not, you're not cool with your helmet on. You're not cool with that. On, so
1: there we go. Boom. <laughs> All righty. Life lessons. I love it. So that's a life great lessons. segue. Great segue into my last icebreaker. This is a kind of a heavy one. So a lot of this okay. album is about the expectations of turning 30 in your life. And we'll dive heavily into yeah. that today. What advice would you give yourself as you entered your 20s if you could go back?
0: Oh, my gosh. I literally cried on my 19th birthday. I thought my life was over. I thought I was getting old. Which is so crazy. I literally would tell my twenty year old self to have more fun and take yourself less seriously.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> I feel like that's applicable across the board. <laughs> like everyone could learn from that. Even in yeah. our 30s and 40s. Like, oh yeah. I'm I'm
0: still trying to learn how to take myself less seriously. But you know, I'm a music artist. We're always taking things so seriously and then writing songs about it. Cool.
1: Okay, so that's that's actually another great segue, because mm-hmm. I, I was reading about this album, and you were talking about, like, in the past, you could only kind of focus on some of the darkness and the, so the things mm-hmm. that you were writing about, whereas mm-hmm. this album, you kind of forced yourself to live with the joy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, like, I don't know. I think before, I, before writing Joy Revolution, which is, like, the first song on this record, I was so you know I was writing about things that were really heavy and things that I think are really important to write about like indigenous rights and and different social justice commentaries and my last record Woman in Color was about identity and my record before that Fight for You was about so much about standing rock and and you know rallying around indigenous rights which I am so so passionate about and so grateful that you know I have an audience of people who is receptive to messages like that and I continue to write songs about these things, but I also, with this record, wanted to write something that was about how it is, in a way, a social justice commentary to write about joy. Because I think so often we feel like we're not entitled to experience joy as immigrants, as Indigenous people, and, and as just people experiencing a pandemic. We feel like we're not allowed to be joyous. And so with this record, I really wanted to write about how joy is something that we should fight for as well. And the macro things going on in our world are very important and very real, but also the micro day-to-day things, like, you know, I don't know, like like a candle or like a flower or like a cold cup of water or things that just can give you joy, I think I'm also trying to learn to appreciate in my life and write songs about.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, the thing too that i picked up on listening to your music is it's very candid songwriting. I mean, a lot of it is very like open and honest, and it takes a lot of vulnerability to put yourself out yeah. there like that. So how much of that was like telling the other side of that vulnerability and mm. producing the joy and sharing that?
0: Yeah, I think that this album is definitely like my most vulnerable work because it's so much about me and like my experience, whereas like, My last couple records were definitely about me, but also about like the way that I interact with the world and like things happening in the world. Whereas this record is so much just about like my internal world. And I think that there takes a level of bravery to experience joy, because in order to experience joy, you have to really trust and surrender that everything else in that moment is going to be all right. I think I can be a chronic worrier, anxiety kind of person. So for me to experience presence and joy is something I'm still learning how to do because my brain is constantly wanting to latch on to what should take us out of the present moment and what should not give me joy. And so I think that writing a song like Do Revolution was really almost like a brave brave thing because it takes a lot of bravery to be present and to and to experience joy.
1: Well so I mean when you talk about like heavy subjects And people come along and it's like, oh, that song sucks. It's like, well, yeah that that stuff sucks too. So it's not so heavy. But if if you're singing about joy, and somebody Mm -hmm. comes along and says, oh, that song sucks, does it hurt more? Does I mean, does that do you Mm -hmm. take that more personally because you're singing about your happiness?
0: Yeah, I think you know, I I had like someone say something about the song Joy Revolution where they were like, oh, that's so like new agey and like hippie and just like flower like you know what I mean like they were very much like why are you writing songs like this now like you were writing songs like protest songs before and now you're writing like songs that are so like new age toxic positivity or toxic optimism or things like that and I was like okay yeah that's one way to think of it Uh, I don't think you're fully understanding my messaging around the song but that's okay you're entitled to your opinion and I think that yeah maybe that stung a little bit more than when someone would criticize a song I was writing about something very political because I can just chalk it up to being like, oh, well, it's a political song. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But when you're writing something about joy or something about a personal experience, I think, yeah, it it can hurt a little deeper. But I don't know. I I I am always very welcoming to criticism of my music. I think that I've always really leaned into writing songs about things that are a little nuanced or a little bit, you know, not they're not going to be for everyone. And I think that's kind of like, I don't know. For me, the beauty of songwriting is it's not gonna be for everyone. So that's okay.
1: (laughs) Mm, No, I love that. That's fantastic. But I mean, as you're writing and you're pouring out this vulnerability, do you ever have to dial it back and be like, whoa, that's that's really honest. Like, am I really gonna put Mm. this out there in the world?
0: Yeah, I think that like I've been processing that with this album for the first time because I didn't realize how personal and heavy this album was until i started talking about it because i think when you're writing the songs you're not really thinking about the fact that you're going to release them like i I, it crosses my mind but when you're in the in the zone of writing you're just writing and so many songs that us songwriters write don't get released like a lot most songs don't get released you know we have these albums every couple years that have 12 tracks on them but there are like Tens and maybe even a hundred songs I'm writing throughout the year that don't make the cut. So when I'm writing, I'm just writing, and then you choose the songs for the album, and then you you decide to promote the album, release the album, and then you look back at everything that you're going to be talking about in regards to the album. I'm I'm, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> there's a lot of personal stuff on here that I'm going to talk yeah. about, and I'm you know, I think that there's a reason why I have become an artist, and I think it's because I am very comfortable. With disclosing parts of my life and with sharing and, um, being someone who can talk about personal things and hope that that because I talk about them, they can help others. And I think some people aren't as comfortable with sharing. And so since I'm so comfortable with sharing and I feel like I'm a pretty open book, I, I feel like that's the reason I, I was put on this earth to write music like this. And maybe it'll help other people who cope with things like, you know, this record talks about eating disorders or like, Mental health, uh, breakups, <laughs> broken engagements, and you know, social justice. And so, yeah, I think that I, I try not to shy away from it. But of course, sometimes you're like, wow, I'm being very open about my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's the, that's the interesting duality of being an artist is like, you're like, you said, your purpose is to express yourself, your purpose mm-hmm. is to put, art out into the world for others i mean not just necessarily for others but for yourself like you would not Mm -hmm. be being true to yourself were you keeping that in however that is kind of the benefit of it is that you inspire others to create Mm -hmm. more art. you inspire others to take action in their life
0: well i think that for me like consuming music and and seeing other artists and how honest they are about their internal struggles and reading their stories is what's helped me through my life you know art heals art has healed me and so I feel like it with my records and with my music if I can do that for other people that's that's my job or that's like an amazing gift and so yeah I just I think that art is is like breathing and I'm the kind of person that loves to nerd out as well where it's like when I hear a song I want to hear what it was about I want to hear the story behind it I want to watch the interviews I want to listen to that artist and I think for me as an artist, I don't really have a lot of like, my goal has never been to like be mysterious. You know, I don't really have a lot of mystery around me. I'm very open with my audience about a lot. So there's not really much mystery to raise. For ghosts. <laughs> and I, I, I lean into that. And I love that. And I think I'm everyone, all my audience knows that like, I'm always a work in progress. And like, you know, I look back at everything I was saying and releasing five years ago and I'm like, wow, I'm a different person than that now. But that's what an album is. It's like a snapshot of some of who someone is at a certain time. And we can all learn from that. And I I, I learn from my own my own mistakes and my own things. And I learned from other people's as well when they're willing to share.
1: So that's exactly what I was reading last night. It was ben really? Fold's autobiography. Yeah. And he was talking about how artists can warp time because you take a four minute Mm -hmm. song and you try to span an entire life or an entire event into that, Mm -hmm. down to that four minute thing. And so that's what he was talking about, how you're basically taking this thing, like no moment in your life just happens in a bottle. Everything is Mm -hmm. built upon the previous thing. And that's Mm -hmm. what he was saying, to take it and confine it to a verse chorus bridge Mm -hmm. and expect people to live with you in that is absurd. Because I mean, that's literally four minutes of your life mm-hmm. that you're experiencing 40 years of theirs. Mm-hmm. And so for me, hearing your album and the general theme of it about reclaiming yourself and expectations that have been put on you your entire life, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, that's it right there. Like you're literally, but you're doing that at the same time. That's mm-hmm. that's the challenge of the art is to find a way to bottle up everything into four minutes yeah, and inspire somebody like yeah. it, it, I was like that's like when I was reading that last night I was just like my mind is blown like this is perfect yeah. like like air all yeah. of the art was just hitting at the same time
0: yes that's so it I love that that's that's so how I feel I think like it feels like a time capsule like every song mm-hmm. is like a time capsule and I'm like an overly nostalgic person like same I'm always the friend who's like remember that one time we did that <laughs> one thing and they're all like no and I'm like what and like I'm always like, yeah, when I like miss someone, I'm like, remember that one time where we did this and like, I'm yeah, I'm I'm, like so nostalgic. And so music has made it so that I can like kind of bottle that nostalgia in four minutes, and then revisit it and remember what it was like to experience that and then to see how it transforms later. Because there's just like, if you're not creating during times in your life, how do you have the material to remember it? You know, I think I'm so caught up in like, memory and and you know things like i don't know my favorite movie is coco you know Mm. and all about the generations and how all these generations have new stories and new layers and i'm like you know how cool would it be to like have like listen to the album that like my great grandmother wrote or Mm. something and i'm just i being able to you know like you know sometimes i meet people out in the world and they have such an effect on me and I almost feel like itchy until I write a song about them. You know, I'm mm. like, oh, they are so interesting, or they really inspired something in me. So I need to record this. I need to make sure I remember it. And so I will write a song about it. And so I love that. I love that that, that four minutes of capturing a year, yeah. capturing six months in four minutes is um, it's my favorite form of storytelling. Mm. You know, I I think for me too. Like I'm all about that instant gratification. You know, <laughs> as we all are as millennials or whatever. And for songwriters, I feel like I can take a year and put it in four minutes, which is so much easier than like, I, I, I one day I want to write a book. I would love to write a novel. I'd love to write a book, but that's going to take a long time. But, but writing something in four minutes or like capturing something in a short form is so fun to me and so exciting.
1: <laughs> While you were talking about it, are you the type, this is how I am. I, I hate to even call myself a creative. I feel so pompous saying that, even though that's silly, but like, <laughs> we're I want to so well, and that's, I mean, I like, I watched, yeah. like, I, I was talking to somebody else about this the other day, but, like, I watched Bo Burnham's Inside, yep. and the whole time I was watching it, I wasn't thinking about, like, everything he presented was great, like, the final final outcome was fantastic, I loved it, however, the whole time I was so envious of the process that he had to go through, mm-hmm. like, all those little clips of him, like, adjusting mm-hmm. cameras and thinking through, and you see the whiteboard with all, that's what I was envious of, like, mm-hmm. I was like, that's the part of creativity that I love, mm-hmm. and, like, You know, when I journal or I do things and I go back and listen to a final product, yeah. What I enjoy thinking about is the process getting there, not necessarily the final outcome.
0: Wow, that's cool.
1: You're like, what do you how do you feel about like that kind of thing? Because you're talking about nostalgia, you have to go back and listen to your old music and think like, yeah, this is what led up to that event or this is the surrounding things of that.
0: Oh yeah, it's all about the process. You gotta love the process. I think that's why I couldn't be an actor. Like when I was a kid. Mm I was, I thought I was going to be an actor. Like I had to grow up doing like child acting and stuff. My brother is an actor to this day, but I didn't want to go that path. And it's cause I never liked the process. I don't like auditioning. I don't like mm-hmm. rehearsing. I don't like, you know, the like highlighting lines and all that. Mm-hmm. But with songwriting, I love the process. I would just mm-hmm. do the process and never do the finished product. If I, if I, you know, if I had to, there's something really amazing about all the steps of being a songwriter being an artist and that's really cool when you talk about thinking about operators inside and all the process cuz also the, for me the process of filmmaking and of adjusting the cameras and all those things that's like that sounds horrible to me that sounds so mm. tough and it's like so yeah. much work and but the process of songwriting and pr- and promoting an album as an indie artist like all the email outreach all the like mm. the gear all the 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 guitars and the the notebooks and the lyric changes and all of that is so exciting to me so like you have no matter what your art form is like you have to love the process it's all about the process because once the record is out it's already over it's already time to start the next process for the next thing and so it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind of weird and sad. Once it's out, it almost feels like the process is done, which is mm. not, you know, it, it takes on like, it, it takes on a life of its own. Like, I feel like then the process starts for like everyone who's listening. But uh, yeah, you got to love the process.
1: Well, and that's you talking about as an indie artist, you strike me as somebody who is a feeler, like you, you seem like mm. you're connected to your emotions. Oh, yeah. As an indie, I mean, and that's not a bad thing at all. Like, no, I think yeah, that's yeah. probably the healthiest way to live is being connected yeah. to your emotions as long as you yeah. manage them well. Right. But, you know, that's what being an indie artist, it has the highs have to be higher and the lows have to be lower, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, so how does that translate into your process? Like do you just you you find it unbearable, like you go a hundred emails unanswered trying to mm-hmm. promote your album. Does the next day that affect the song you feel?
0: I mean, I think things go in seasons. I'm luckily like I I'm an indie artist, but I do have like a team around me. You know, I have like manager, publicists and things like that. I just don't have a record label. But when I was first starting and I was first like getting my, you know, my start as an indie artist, as a DIY artist, like I sent every email myself, like every single outreach was just me. And, you know, I think at that time, I was a little bit like delusionally optimistic about myself. Mm. And I think (laughs) you got to believe in yourself as an artist, like I would send all these emails. And, you know, I got my agent from a cold email. And he said wow. I was like the only cold email he'd ever like answered. And my email was like, I don't know. It was very short and sweet, but I re like I'll reread that email. And I'm like, wow, like I had very intense blind faith in myself that I deserved an agent and I deserve a manager. I deserve to play this. I deserve it. And I don't know. I think maybe it was because I grew up in the entertainment industry and I just felt like this sense of like belief in myself as an artist in a way that I ha- don't feel about in other aspects of my life. Like I feel like it's almost easier to believe in myself as an artist, as a, as a something, a musician separate from myself than to believe in myself as like a human being. Like I think those are the, the human things are the things I've been working on more because I can promote myself as like razor goes with the artist, but then thinking about the vulnerability of like social situations or love or Body image or things that are so personal and like outside of the artist self that I can't like just project onto the artist self. Those are the hardest parts for me. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like <laughs> just like growing up in entertainment. But
1: well, why do yeah. you think that is? Why do you think you have so much more faith in yourself as an artist than a human?
0: I think it's because literally from when I was five years old, we, me and my siblings, started training as muse- as as performers and. We were celebrated when we performed. We were celebrated when we did something well in a performance aspect. And it's been like our barometer of success since I was a kid. And I think there's also like a level of anxiety that I have as a human being that I don't have as a performing artist. I have no stage fright or stage anxiety. I am the most centered in myself and without anxiety on stage than I am anywhere and i think a lot of artists experience that there's a sense of freedom that you get in your art that you don't get on a daily basis and that's why we create art mm-hmm. and i think that it bleeds into you know our human stuff but it's there is something about the magic of art that gets we get to almost escape that voice in our head that's telling us this or that on a day to day basis and i'm still learning how to integrate all of that but the stage has always been the stage and the guitar and like with the pencil pen writing has been my safe place that has been my place of escaping my anxiety my whole life
1: wow that's fantastic oh and i mean that goes <laughs> really well with like the theme of your album again going back to like i mean and that's what when i was reading about it and I, I was identifying with it it was this i mean especially as someone who grew up in the south where you have very clear standards of like this is how your life is going to go right. Like, you know, cause that's, that, I mean, just for people who don't know the theme of the album, I mean, overall is kind of like reclaiming yourself when you've been told your whole life, this is what it would look, or yeah. How about you tell yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Sure, Albert, you tell it. Like,
0: yeah. The album is so much about expectations and it's about exactly what you said, like reclaiming your spirit, who you are and your sense of self after, you know, you've been on one path that you thought you were supposed to be on and then your path changes and just like kind of discovering who you are. From the dust of something that didn't work out. Yeah, it's a lot about expectations of women. I was 29 when I wrote this whole record, pretty much, and I was engaged and I was very much set on getting married by 30 and get- getting on a very more or less traditional path for myself. And I was determined to then, you know, tour less when I got married and truly really shift my life. And then when it all fell apart, I realized that that's not what I want right now. I don't want to stop touring. I don't want to stop playing live. Like this is my, I love my life. And, you know, the relationship had its dark moments. It had its great moments, but it was just not the path I was supposed to be on. And then I kind of woke up and felt like so bare and raw. And I was like, well, then what's my path next? And. So I, I this album was kind of all these songs that were written over the course of that year that I was processing all of that before, during, and after, and it's really about rediscovering who you are when all the goals and the benchmarks that you had for yourself are no longer valid.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's a lot of raw emotion that you're sorting yeah. through, and I mean, and, and heartbreaks hard yeah. no matter like mm-hmm. what the terms are, and so I mean, that's how how cathartic was it to be able to express these thoughts knowing that you will have inspiration on others but also just the fact that like you're reclaiming yourself you're rediscovering who you are and what your actual aspirations are yeah. and realizing i've been lying to myself for all these years yeah
0: yeah, yeah i think it's like it was painful cuz i think i i still do want a lot of these things like i still do want to get married one day i still do want you know to i don't want to tour forever like there's a lot of these things that are very true to this day like those expectations I think still exist inside of me in in many ways I did want that relationship to work out but you know for many reasons it was not supposed to and I think that the message I want to convey in this record is that it's okay to want these things it's okay to want whatever you want but making yourself miserable over them is not worth it and telling yourself that you are not beautiful or valid because you're not married by 30 or because you're not engaged by 28 or because of this or because of that. Whatever your path is, is your path. And for women, we always have all these rules and benchmarks and, and specific things we're supposed to hit. And if you don't hit them, you start to feel like you're worthless. And I started to feel that way. And and so I think that with this record, I want to show young women or, or anyone That your path is your path and it's beautiful and whatever you choose. And we should be celebrating women not only for relationship benchmarks, but also for, you know, anything like for like paying off debt or for graduating or for, you know, buying a house by themselves or 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 raising a child by themselves. Or there's so many other paths for women, but I feel like there's only certain ones that are really publicly celebrated. Which is why I really wanted to talk about in this record how I used my wedding money to make this record because so often we feel like there is one path of celebration. We don't really normalize celebrations of any other kind than a big wedding. What about a big album? Like, what about self funding a creative project? That's also a very valid way to use your savings. You don't have to only, you know, do this traditional way. And I'm not knocking that way. Super, Mm -hmm. super stoked about every one of these big weddings. Please invite me. But for (laughs) me, like, this was my path. And I just want to show women that whatever your path may be, like, it's beautiful and you should be celebrated for it. And there's no reason to be down on ourselves because our path looks different. Mm,
1: That's wonderful. And one of the things. So I had a a daughter like two months ago and that's what the whole, (laughs) thank you. You'll probably hear her screaming at some point during this, but that's what the whole time I was listening to it. I was framing it through her eyes. I was like, especially like the song strong woman. Like I was thinking about like, as a dad, how can I give my daughter this life? How can I provide her a better way than a lot of women today are getting like her mother or not that her mother had a bad life, but just giving her more opportunity than her mother's generation had. And so to me, I think it's the inspiration of that is what's beautiful. I, and it's like you said, it goes so much bigger than just your story. I mean, you're yeah. speaking to a generation of readjustment, a realigning our perspective on these things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like, you know, like young girls, like for me, like when I was a young girl, like I... I don't know. I just, I, I, there were fed so many things in the media about what we're supposed to want, what we're supposed to look like, or we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to behave. And I felt for a lot of that. And I think a lot of that is why I've had so much struggle with body image my whole life. And so many women have struggled body image and not just women. All people have struggled with body image. And so much of that is because, you know, corporate America is trying to sell us stuff and. if we make everyone hate themselves and they'll buy more products to change the way they look or to adjust this or just that or or to diet or or whatever. And all of that was making me sick. It was making me crazy. And I, if I can, you know, have that message to a young girl who's maybe kind of in that place where they could go either way of, of really going down that path of, of that more difficult self-talk or starting to really which is so amazing in this new generation that, that so, so much more body positivity is happening. If my song can lead them in one way or the other, like that's so amazing and so beautiful. And I just would love to have more young women not have the same experiences I did when I was a kid because a lot of that was about wanting to change myself rather than embrace myself.
1: Hmm. One, of, one of the really cool things that I loved about your uh, publicist, she sent, or I, you did it, it was a breakdown of the songs, yeah. like the meaning behind I I loved yeah. that. I ate it up. For one of the, like, the song Joy Revolution, like, I pulled a quote from it. It says, I have definitely been one to think that I have to earn rest and earn joy, but that way of thinking has caused me pain and anxiety. That I mean, that's such a great perspective on society today and just mm-hmm. where we are. Like, there is no, like, I, I mean, I, I feel guilty, like, when I spend the afternoon at home with my daughter instead yeah. of working. And, right. I mean, again, that's reclaiming our story and saying like, no, this is I'm never going to get a seven week old again. I'm never going to have a daughter yeah. that's under two months again. Wow. I have to savor this moment. And like to me, that's just I mean, again, that's like the themes of this album are so heavy, but they're also so beautiful in in the way that you presented them. And the, like when you really start to process these things, it, I mean, it really is a beautiful statement that pe- everyone could benefit from something like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're in such a hustle culture, hustle mentality. And that relates to like, you know, all of that, all the aspects, like whether it's hustle culture to feel like you have to, you know, hit all these certain goals at certain times of your life. And it's all just personally making me, you know, pain, experience pain, experience sadness and anxiety and hold that spirit is about releasing all of that for me. And we shouldn't have to earn rest and earn earn joy. I, I interviewed my mom, who is an immigrant from Japan, about her relationship to joy growing up. And she said that she never thought about it. It was not never a topic of conversation. That's what she said with her family. And, you know, being immigrants, they're in survival mode for a long time until you can really establish your place in society and, and your job and your work and and this and that and and they didn't have a lot of time to you know kick their heels up and and hang out cuz they were working so hard and so i feel like you know being the daughter of an immigrant and my grandparents and everything that they went through that you know they fought so hard for for me and my siblings and the next generation to experience more joy and happiness so i owe it to them to to do that and our joy is something that our ancestors fought for so we we better experience it.
1: Well, and you say all this and this is all very admirable, but the one thing that I'm also seeing about you is you very much I mean it goes back to the story about how you made this album, you mm-hmm. very much seem like the person if you're given lemons, you're going to make lemonade. So yeah. I mean there <laughs> there is two sides to this coin like you you yeah. definitely do have that approach to life. Am I mm-hmm. am I inaccurate in that?
0: No, yeah. I I am always I'm I'm always an optimist and I'm always trying to turn The difficult things into art, you know, because I think that there's like, what else is there to do with the darkness if we can't, you know, turn it into something beautiful? I think that the past two years of my life, I probably suffered from more anxiety than I ever have in my life. But now I think because of that and turning it into music, I'm experiencing more joy than I ever have. So there's always something on the other side of the difficult times. And so I'm always just trying to do my best to see. See, see past it, and and turn it into something good.
1: I, I want to ask more questions, but at the same time, I'm like, that's such a great, like, happy, great note just to end things on. Yeah. I'm like, let's roll with it, like, let's end right yeah. there because that's that's yeah. such a good yeah. way to end right there. I love it, Ray. Thank you so much for chatting. Do you thank have anything you, so you want to much. say about Hold That Spirit? Like, is there anything we can add to this? I, I love the album. Um, I think it's. I will I do. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'm gonna ask another question. Forget okay, it. Yeah. So this album is. To, like, so, I like to view albums as chapters in people's mm. discography that they're an evolution of the artist. I love it. This is definitely a massive, in my opinion, progress from your previous two albums. It, it seems like a massive step up how do you like so how do you much. feel about it?
0: ah oh, i love I love this album. I think that as an artist, there's a idea of yourself you have in your head. It's almost like this cartoon rock star that you're trying to become. And every album you get closer to this like cartoon rock yeah. star in your head. And I had that moment where I was playing these songs on stage and I was like, I think I'm like, I think I am my cartoon rock star. I think <laughs> I'm really getting there. I think like the person, the artist that I aspire to be is starting to be the artist that I am. Mm. And that's a really exciting feeling because I've been working really hard over the past 10 years of honing my songwriting, honing my guitar skills, my singing and trying to become the person that I've always wanted to be as a performer. And I feel like it's happening, and I feel like there's songs on this record that I've dreamt of writing, and I owe that all to my collaborators because there's so many amazing female collaborators on this record. This the the record was co-written and produced all by women, and they brought things out of me that I didn't know were there. And Anna Schulze, who co-wrote and produced "Hold That Spirit," "Not a Monster," "Sweetheart," "Garden," she really. I I, I just texted her. I was like, she's my song therapist because she's able mm. to like touch on and press in these tender parts of me and help me like excavate them out and put them into music where maybe i would have shied away from those things when i was creating on my own and she has this like really cool pop rock sensibility to her and she's an amazing electric guitar player and she brought that out in the songs and she brought out an edge in these songs that i i i think is so cool that i've always wanted to have in my music and you know, Connie Lim, Milk, A. G., Texada, Robin Delinto, Ava Sapelsa, like Belinda Huang, like so many amazing women who like their relationships to their artistry that I resonated with, and I was like, Oh, that's so cool. I got to take a piece of that and, and make it a part of Ray Zaragoza. And that I think is why this album is so special and to me. And like I think is a a step up from my last records, is because there's there were so many creative people with their hands in it.
1: So I mean, it is still very much a folk album, but your your previous two albums were very much more the traditional style. Yank. Yeah. yeah to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is was I mean, it is a dynamic shift in terms of that. Did you find yourself resisting that progress or was it more like like, yeah. let's just go into this?
0: Oh, I resisted. I, I there were a few songs on this record where I was like, that's not folk we probably should just leave that <laughs> off and then i was kind of like you know and then a lot of these songs because they had different producers i was like maybe they don't really go together they're not cohesive we should like you know separate this make it two albums or i don't know like it's just it doesn't all go together but then i listened to it down and then i listened to some of my favorite records and i was like you know that's okay it, it doesn't have to all be so specifically folk and right now in the folk genre and Americana genre, everything is really being so expansive. And the definition Mm -hmm. of folk is so expansive and, and, and diverse and different. And so just because something was folk before, doesn't mean that it's not now. And I sent it to my, my folk radio promoter and I was like, LOL, this isn't a folk album. Is it like, you know, I was like really like, kind of like putting it down as like not a folk album. And he was like, Oh, this is definitely a folk album. It's still a folk album. And I'm like, yeah, so (laughs) it's fun to like get to push the envelope of genre while still staying true to like your roots because i didn't i I still want i still love being a folk artist and so you know yeah
1: (laughs) it's not like you have to stop playing the old songs like they're still there they still still live
0: yeah exactly exactly exactly. there we go yeah
1: awesome well ray thanks so much for chatting today this has been a pleasure i'm so pumped for the world to hear this album it's fantastic i really do love it
0: (laughs) Thank you you for talking to me and digging into everything That really means a lot
1: I'm Lance Ingram and this is Yesterday's Concert Thanks for listening to another episode of my show For more live music podcasting, check out our other show, Jam Journals If you're feeling kind, give us a 5 star review On Apple Podcasts And check us out on all the social media platforms Email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com Or visit our website Yesterdaysconcert.com So until next time Give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and most importantly, take care of your shoes.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football